the Lloyd's List Shipping Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Lloyd's List Podcast, your weekly briefing on the stories shaping shipping. I'm Richard Mead, the editor of Lloyd's List. Coming up on this week's podcast, we're going to be looking at what's happened to shipping's toxic debt and what the latest mood music from within the German banks tell us about the availability of finance for shipping. We're also going to be taking a look ahead at the agenda for next week's Box Bonanza in Hamburg, the Global Liner Shipping Conference. But first, Iran. With the usual elaborate stroke of his pen and a few characters on Twitter, Donald Trump unilaterally pulled out the US the 2015 nuclear deal with Iran earlier this week, reimposing sanctions and a whole heap of risk for the shipping industry to mitigate. While the immediate focus has been on the impact for oil markets and the associated fallout for tanker sector, the greater risk for shipping arguably lies in how the industry now deals with credit finance headaches and the insurance implications of what looks likely to be a fragmented international sanctions regime. Joining me to discuss these implications is Anthony Woolwich, partner and head of competition and regulation and at the law firm HFW. Hello, Anthony. Good morning. So, Anthony, the shipping industry has been here before, surely. The US decision not to renew the JCPOA, uh, the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action to, uh, to most people, means that maritime businesses will simply just need to dust off their uh, risk policies prior to January 2016 when the agreement came into effect. Or is it significantly different this time, do you think? Well, I think it is different, um, partly because at the moment this is unilateral, in that it's the US who have pulled out of JCPOA. So at the moment, the other signatories to the JCPOA um, are saying that they're going to adhere to it. That, of course, may change uh, under US pressure and US influence, at least to some extent. Um, But also, we don't know what's to come in terms of the potential further sanctions imposed by the US. And that's the problem, it's the the uncertainty that this creates. It's not that the sanctions weren't understood to be coming. I think we've all understood that this was a distinct possibility for several months now. But planning this uh, risk mitigation strategy for shipping is going to be difficult when we don't know what is coming. That's right. Um, I mean, uh, the... um, Advice, you know, for for a long time has been that when uh, shipping companies are uh, negotiating contracts, etc., uh, the change in sanctions is something that should have been taken into account. Same with insurance provision. Um, the the snapback, as it's been known, the U.S. sanctions has always been a possibility. Indeed, it was built into the original agreement. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the uh, original agreement was that following a breach by Iran, um, the US sanctions, indeed EU sanctions as well, could snap back. Mm. So well-advised companies um, would already have provided for that uh, in their contracts. Mm. But the problem is the unknown elements, shipping and shipping trade is wholly international and interconnected. And there is this concern i think now that shipping companies are going to be very carefully looking at the the unknown unknowns in the sense that uh, it's not necessarily their immediate uh, trade deals that they're going to be concerned about it's their partners and their partners partners and the fact that this is a unilateral us move makes that much more difficult for shipping to deal with i think yes i mean the the issue of 
um, indirect connections with sanctioned persons, sanctioned entities has always been an issue. And of course, there isn't the same transparency with Iranian organisations um, as there is with European organisations. It's not just a question of popping along to a company's house or getting a company search um, and, and being able to trace very uh, easily what the ownership of a particular company is. Mm. Um, so that is, 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 is definitely an issue. But then, of course, the US sanctions are looking to um, uh, sanction, bring back within the sanctions regime, the whole of the shipping sector and the whole of the shipbuilding sector. Mm. So it, it, although there will be particular sanctioned entities as well, like Irison, um, the whole sector will actually be sanctioned. Yes. Based on the experience we've had prior to 2016 and what we know of what is coming now, are there any practical uh, guidance you can you can offer to the shipping companies that, that feel that they might need to do something now that this announcement has been made? I think it would be prudent to review contracts um, just to see that they, they do have these safeguards around providing for snapback of sanctions. They do provide for what would happen in those situations so that if they do have to wind down um, by um, the uh, 4th of November, that that is actually possible and that they can extract themselves from the contracts. If there isn't that sort of um, snapback provision or sanctions provision allowing for it, then there may be an issue in terms of negotiating with the counterparty how to wind down that contract, what the effect will be. Anthony, thank you very much for coming in. Back in 2013, Lloyd's List was reporting that German shipping was in deep crisis and financiers' three-digit billion-dollar exposure to the sector represented a significant regional and sectoral risk for the German banking system as a whole. Five years on, the panic seems to have subsided, but has toxic shipping debt really disappeared? What do the bank's current strategies tell us about the availability of finance for shipping? Joining me to discuss the state of shipping finance is our legal and finance editor, David Osler. Hello, David. Good morning, Richard. So we've seen a couple of different strategies emerge from the German banks in recent weeks. We saw uh, Deutsche Bank effectively appoint Deloitte to sell a billion dollars worth of good shipping debt. Looked like a nice deal, but they're effectively exiting shipping. And then we saw your interview with HSH Nordbank, who just sold five billion dollars worth of toxic debt to the US private equity at a deep discount. What does all this tell us about the availability of, of shipping loans for um, the industry and, and the, the wider S&P issues? Well, as you say, there's still tens of billions of bad shipping debt floating around in the system that nobody quite knows what to do with. And the deals you highlight show two approaches that can be taken. At the top end, you've got Deutsche Bank selling off a billion dollars worth of good performing shipping debt at a price I'm told is in the high 80s. Now, for a quality asset, that looks quite an attractive price, uh, almost free money. On the other hand, you've got HSH offloading some of the really, really toxic stuff at 40 cents in the dollar. I think what we've got there is effectively the new range that's how much shipping debt is worth on the secondary market at either end of the spectrum. 
between 40 and 80. I mean, that's, you know, that's the good, the bad and the ugly priced in there. So it gives us some clarity in terms of what the banking sector has to deal with in terms of toxic debt. What are they going to do with it, though? That's what people in Hamburg are worrying about. I mean, obviously, US private equity players have a different style than German banks. They are motivated to make a quick buck. The nightmare scenario is if vessel values continue to rise, will they just try to seek to offload that tonnage and foreclose on the owners? Mm. Um, the official line is, oh, no, of course, we wouldn't dream of doing anything like that, but not everybody believes them. Mm. And your interview with HSH, uh, Nord Bank, was particularly interesting for me. I mean, effectively, they are now freed up from the legal restrictions that uh, were imposed on them. But ultimately, they don't seem to be um, looking to increase their exposure significantly to shipping. What I thought was very interesting was this quote, we want to work with the survivors. We want to work with the consolidators in the industry, those who have shown throughout the crisis that they're able to survive. I mean, that's what the banks always say. They want to work with the good ones. But what about the squeeze middle? HSH is now a very changed beast. Um, it was what is known as a Landis bank, that is publicly owned and there with a mandate to help the regional economy. That's how they became so massively overexposed to the North German shipping cluster. Once the privatisation is finally completed, of course, they're not. They're effectively a US investment bank that just happens to be based in Hamburg and Kiel. What Christian Nies, one their head of shipping, told me is the focus is going to be on international owners he foresees a book of about five billion, which is a far cry from the thirty billion it was at its peak around a decade ago. He says the book is going to be two thirds focused on international owners. He's keen on Asia. There will be one or two dozen German owners that he will still consider lending to, but you know, the country that's got around four hundred owners, that leaves a lot of people out in the cold. Mm. And again, you know, this common perception that we've got that availability of shipping loans from the traditional shipping banks is there, but realistically only for the top tier, for the consolidated few. The reality is that the vast majority of shipping falls in that squeezed middle. And that's going to be a problem because, you know, the likes of HSH are not really going to be looking at the slightly problematic. They want the, uh, the you know, the good and they'll consider you know, offloading the toxic at the bottom, but realistically, most of shipping is in the middle bit. Well, there's an argument that if uh, you ain't making money at the moment, then you probably haven't got much business buying new vessels. But, of course, we're all keeping our fingers crossed that the market is starting to improve, and I guess that's when the crunch is going to come, isn't it? When there is a business case for building your fleets, and you go cap in hand to the bank that... Did plenty of business with your with your dad and your granddads, and you get given the rush. David, thank you very much. The latest official figures for global box demand suggest that the current recovery isn't quite as healthy as some are predicting. Still a lot of capacity to come this year, and even as delivery deferrals increase, freight rates seem to be in limbo. The rise in charter rates is slowing as well. Nobody really seems sure exactly how positive we should be for the remainder of the year. Joining us is Linton Nightingale, our senior reporter and containers expert. 
you're heading off to Hamburg next week, Linton. Um, what do you think they're going to be talking about? Um, I think, from saying what you were just talking about there, there's an air of cautious optimism over the sector, um, which basically, when you break it down, means that nobody really knows what they're talking about. Cautious optimism. Cautious optimism is a byword for uh, people who don't really know what's coming next, but don't want to say things are going to get worse. Exactly. So it will be actually good to hear from some people who actually know what they're talking about. One person in particular who will be talking this week is Lars Jensen from CNTEL. And when he talks, everybody tends to listen when he looks at his crystal ball. He's more often than not right. So you can imagine people will be listening intently. Um, he'll be giving his supply demand forecast for the coming month and he'll also be discussing whether we can expect further industry consolidation. A decade ago, he said there could be as little as eight major carriers um, upon an era of um, unprecedented consolidation. And of course, everybody laughed at him and in the end he proved to be right. So everyone will be wondering what he's going to say. Um, at TPM in Long, Beach, in Long Beach a few months ago, he alluded to the fact that some of the smaller players may be ripe for acquisition. So we're talking the Taiwanese carriers here, Yang Ming or Evergreen. Um, so it will interest, be interesting to see what his latest take here will be. Lars Jensen is, is, is always uh, you know, a good draw at these things, but um, we've got some other you know, interesting keynote speakers at the Global Liner Shipping Conference. Um, Notably, Jeremy Nixon from uh, One, the uh, the consolidated Japanese supergroup. Um, now, obviously, they've had a few issues with uh, IT. We've reported on that, but uh, they seem to be dealing with that. It'd be interesting to see his take on both the consolidation uh, note that, that Lars is going to be bringing up, but also um, his idea of um, how to deal with the shipper concerns. I mean, we've seen a lot of reports coming out in the last few weeks about reliability of the lines being at an all-time low. I mean, what do you what do you get the impression is, is happening within the sector at the moment? Is reliability as bad as the uh, the survey suggests at the moment? I think you're absolutely right, Richard. I doubt Jeremy's going to be con uh, commenting too much on one, given the recent issues there. So um, he'll be gauging the industry's response to how alliances and, M and MAs have impacted and reshaped. KPIs and whether we can already see tangible results from this consolidation, which of course is the aim to have more reliability for shippers, which at the moment isn't great. Um, but also there will be um, from Hapag Lloyd, Mr. Rolf Haben Janssen, the chief executive there, who is, of course has been at the centre of the recent era of consolidation with um, Hapag Lloyd merging last year with UASC, and he'll be looking at the, um, the issue of shippers and customers. Um, obviously, most of the past two years, we've been hearing a lot about what this impact of consolidation has for the liner industry, um, but he'll be looking at his customers, um, and he'll be doing a presentation in his words. This presentation will tell the story behind the operator's innovation strategy and how this aligns with what the customer needs now in a world where they're likely to need something entirely different very soon. Mm. One suspects we're not going to get away with a whole uh, conference and nobody mentioned the dreaded word digitalization. I'm assuming that uh, Rolf is going to be uh, waxing lyrical on the, on the prospects of more efficiency through digitalization and blockchain. 
I'm sure he will do. Um, and digitalization gets its usual conference seat. There'll also be speakers from IBM, Intra and Drury. We'll be also be speaking on this technology movement. Of course, the beauty of being in Hamburg is you get the opportunity to uh, gauge the temperature with a lot of other people. Um, you, you got a lot of meetings out in Hamburg this week? I have indeed, and I guess not just with these meetings, but with the conference itself. A lot of the mood next week would all depend on the weekend's football. Hamburg could well be relegated out of the German top division for the first time in their history. And this is the one thing that they all hang, in, hang on to in the city. And if this does prove to be the case, then there could be some rather solemn, rather very solemn shipping community next week. So we will see. Excellent. Well, I look forward to hearing the results. Thanks, Linton. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. We're going to be back again next Friday with another slice of the story shaping shipping. This is going to be a weekly production from Lloyd's List, and I'm keen to hear your thoughts on where you think we should be focusing our attention. All feedback and story suggestions are welcome and should be directed my way via editorial at lloydslist.com. In the meantime, if you don't already have a subscription to Lloyd's List and want to check out what you're missing out on, go to lloydslist.com and register for a free trial. By registering, you'll be able to get our free daily briefing email and access some of the content behind the paywall. And for those of you planning your Posidonia diaries, make sure you're signing up to our Posidonia business briefing. It's on Sunday the 3rd of June at 2pm. Registration is accessible via loislist.com, and I look forward to seeing you there. So until next Friday, thank you for listening, and I wish you all a cautiously optimistic week ahead. Mm-hmm.